Hi everyone, I'm Philip Mead. And I'm Scott Stigmeyer. And I'm Danny Webb. And this is The Blackest Eyes, a place for intelligent conversation about horror movies. We are currently in season two and have been reviewing films in the slasher subgenre. Tonight we will review a 2010 Hong Kong film called Dream Home. As always, be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and of course you can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcast catcher. And if you like the show, you can always support us for $5 a month through Patreon. You can read all about that at patreon.com forward slash the blackest eyes. If you are ready for sensational, over-the-top violence mixed in with its own brand of social commentary, then stay tuned. Here we go. guys dream home what a movie what a viewing experience this was let's jump right into it i think we'll have a good bit to talk about tonight we'll start as always with a plot summary danny if i'm not mistaken you are up so tell us about dream home okay uh, dream home is a hong kong horror film um, set in hong kong about the character chang who when she was growing up uh, was her family was forced out of their their home because of uh, the property rates were going up and a developer wanted to tear it down and build condos and this left her with a desire to live uh, by the harbor uh, she has an uncle who walks every day to the harbor and she tells him that she is going to one day buy him a place where he can see the water out his window and this becomes her lifelong goal which she works multiple jobs to do, but when she finally gets around to finding a home she could afford, a condo in the Victoria Harbor uh, condos right right on the Victoria Harbor, she um, gets to her realtor and finds that the uh, couple who are selling the condo wants to uh, raise the price they're not going to accept and you know she was right there on the verge of having her dream and uh, this leads her into a just ultra violent um, crime spree murder spree and you know and it's a slasher film so they're you know slasher style kills uh, and she goes through the building basically uh, just wrecking havoc on um, residents which um, in turn drives the property value down and the film uh, actually ends on the upbeat note that her murder has done just what um, maybe it was supposed to do we can talk about that but it, what it has done is her violent murder of all these innocent people has led her to her dream life and it ends on that happy note and that's a really short synopsis, but that plot-wise, this is a you know it's a pretty tight film. Yeah, so let's begin by addressing the timeline of the movie, as you were talking about, in particular, how the story was told by weaving the violence and the gore and the deaths into the flashbacks of Chang's life, 
uh, in order to establish motive and backstory. And let's talk about that first because that kind of frames the film and it brings the uh, action in front of us, the gore in front of us, and then it takes us to a different place with the history and we're getting motive combined with real-time violence. It's very interesting how they do it. Either of you want to comment on the way that that was the narrative flowed? Actually, I, I think it's very important. I, I, I first watched the film. I've watched it a couple times now, and I fir first watched it. My understanding was that uh, the, the, my understanding wasn't that she started the murders when the price went up. We don't find out about that till a little later in the film because we build towards her, you know, her saving her money and stuff and, and, and her desire to live by the harbor. And at some point we find out that the, the couple has raised the price, but we've already seen her do some murders. So I, I had the impression that by the end of the film, the first time was that she was doing the murders to drive the property values down. Now, the Wikipedia synopsis and other uh, summaries that I've read seems to suggest that this was just rage at the people who were able to have their dream and that it just had the, you know, the serendipity that it lowered the price. And then she, after all her anger, she was still able to get into things. So I, th I think about, I, I think that the, I see why they did take the action out of order, and you absolutely would have had to. Otherwise, it would have been, you know, all the violence would have just been one explosive scene at the end. But I still think it may have changed how I interpreted the, the events of the film. I found it a little disorienting. I mean, I, I can appreciate uh, movies when they kind of jump around in time. But... Um, Tell me if I'm wrong, but it was like jumping around to like three different times. And that confused me a bit, if, if I'm if I'm right. At least three. Yeah. Maybe four. Yeah. Okay. Certainly. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm I, maybe I'm just a simple minded guy when I'm reading or watching a movie because I can I can I'm with you if there's like two time shifts. But after three or four, I, I got a little confused. I did. You know, you generally I could generally figure out what was going on. Of, of course, it wasn't that confusing. But it wasn't until maybe maybe halfway into the movie that I kind of, you know, I think I understood what the different time jumps were for or what they were about. Yeah, but Danny, explain again. It seems as if you're saying that your initial idea of how the flashbacks were used in the chronology is not what you ended up thinking. Yeah, because I so, thought I, I pretty early on figured out this was, you know, socioeconomic horror, right? So I thought right from the start she was killing people to drive down property values so she could afford it, right? Uh, but in the end, it seems like actually she started killing not until after she found out that the price was going to be high, which she still could have been doing it to, uh, you know, to drive down prices, but I thought she had been doing it sort of over a longer period of time. I oh, thought maybe I there, there were more timelines even than Scott was saying, right? Hmm. Yeah. And it's not that huge a deal, right? In, in the end, it, it just was a little, like Scott said, disorienting. And, and at the I, I didn't like not being quite sure of the timeline at the end. That bothered me a little bit. Yeah. Well, what about just your over, overall impressions, general impressions of the movie? Scott, did you like the film? I feel like I have a complicated relationship with this movie. Um, I liked it 
I probably didn't like it as much as maybe maybe some some people did. I I, I liked I liked the ending. I liked how it kind of wrapped things up. I thought it was clever. It was a it was a visually I thought it was kind of a very interesting movie. Reminded me of some other movies I've seen, but there were some aspects of the film that that just kind of made it hard for me to enjoy. But as you guys know, I'm I'm not the biggest follower of of gore. It's not the violence so much that bothers me. I don't know. For some reason it it didn't click with me as well as maybe it could have. Yeah, well I think we need to talk about that because we all three have a little bit different perspective on gore and violence, I think. If I'm not mistaken, and if I misspeak, you can certainly tell me, but Danny, I think you're somewhat of a gore hound. Scott, you're not. And I think I'm probably somewhere in between the two of you. But what I have discovered about me is that my enjoyment of over-the-top extreme gore, the sensational violence, over the years, as I've gotten older, I've, I've just come to enjoy it less and less. It hasn't been as important to me as maybe it once was in my 20s, even my 30s, uh, when I kind of lived for that. I don't really need it anymore. I don't know if I ever did, but it, I enjoyed it more then than I do now for whatever reason, whatever. So the violence in this movie was, yeah, it was hard to watch for me because it just kept going on and on. Some of these deaths lasted so incredibly long, and the poor guy who had his intestines cut out he was alive for like an hour, uh, just sitting there. It was oh goodness, the first murder of the security guard was one of the most brutal things that I have seen in a very long time. I mean, I had to look away a couple of times. It was so hard. And then when you bring that into, um, yeah, I mean, just some of the way the women are, are depicted, some of the dialogue, it was it was jarring to me, which took me out of the film a few times. And then that combined with the flashbacks, it, it made things somewhat jarring for me yeah i assume we'll talk more about some of the spe- you know specifics of of the various kills um sp- speaking of violence for a second because it, it it made me think about it um what do i think about movie violence because some movies i really like are pretty violent um but there's different there's different ways to portray violence okay so like you know there's there's like Saving Private Ryan, right? I mean, extremely violent, but it is, it's a different kind of violence. Um, the Passion of the Christ, right? Very violent movie. But but even in horror or thriller type movies, I liked Old Boy, okay? I don't know if that's a horror movie, but it's it's a very violent thriller kind of movie, Korean movie. Old Boy, I liked it. Um, over the top violence, Quentin Tarantino, I tend to like his movies. So it's not it's not just movie violence that I'm sort of that I bristle against. It's it's what effect does it have on me? You know, is it the, there are some things that are disturbing, and then there are some things that are just really too disturbing for me. And so this this movie, I thought there were at least twice where I thought, uh, yeah, it took me out of it. It took me out of it. Danny, your take? Well, I can definitely guess what one of those two was um <laughs> i have no problem uh yeah I, I am definitely probably the 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 biggest gore hound here and a lot of it is my appreciation and, and i think philip will agree with me here and probably even scott but the appreciation of the artistry of it i've been obsessed with movie makeup and uh, uh, special effects makeup effects 
since I've been into horror, and I think it, they're done phenomenally here. On top of a lot of other great technical expertise that's being shown, a great score, just, I think a lot of this is really, really well done, and the, the gore effects are great. Um, and I think when the gore effects are, and it is about effects, Scott's exactly right, uh, if, if the gore effects are in service of something more important in the film, which I think they really are here, then then I then I'm never bothered by them. I uh, I want them to make me want to look away in, in those situations. I think there's one disconnected. I think the one that bothers Scott the most, I'm guessing, and every, all of us the most, is also untrue to the movie. I I think the the one of the gore scenes, one of the deaths is is violates what the movie's about in a lot of ways uh, and makes it impossible to sympathize with your main character. Uh, otherwise, I enjoyed the gore in the movie and I, I, I was I was sitting in bed watching this cackling at just the over-the-top nature of it. The, the guy sitting there with his guts out for 35 minutes was, I thought, absolutely hilarious. And, and I think this, and it was done satirically. I think the violence was the best part of the satire of the, of the movie. The creativity in the death scenes certainly was fantastic, and that is a wonderful part of horror. If you're a horror fan, how are they going to come up with the next creative kill? Some of these were incredible, and the effects were good, but many of them were CGI, and that to me that's cheating in horror maybe it shouldn't feel that way for me but it does i'm more of an old school guy and a lot of this was done with cgi does that not have an impact on you danny oh yeah absolutely and 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 a lot of them were um accentuated with cgi they were you know tweaked with cgi but i, th I think the the specific physical stuff was just really 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 well done um yeah, uh, uh, you're exactly right. The CGI stuff did jar me a little bit uh, when it appeared. And when I noticed it, there may have even been times I didn't notice it on the small screen. So, you know, uh, watching this on a laptop monitor. As you mentioned, it seems that the movie is pulling together here several approaches. We have gore, violence, a social commentary message. There's family dynamics at play, which for me was the most important part of the movie. And at times, even humor but does any one of those things feel like it was the primary thrust of the film for you guys? Scott, did any one of those ideas or something different feel to you like, here's what the movie is actually trying to accomplish? What do you think? I, I would, I would maybe challenge that it, that there was, so yeah, there was a social element to it, but I thought there was going to be one, I thought for a long time, I thought the social element was one thing. And then it kind of got blurry for me, and I'm thinking, I don't, I don't kind of see that how that works. So, for instance, if if we want to be more spe specific, um, I thought she was her. Why was she obsessed with ha not just having an apartment? Which okay, so we we it was presented to us at the beginning of the movie before you know maybe during the credits or before that, that where there was some text rolling up the screen that said how expensive flats are in. In Hong Kong, especially if you want to have a view of the sea, and I don't remember how much it was, but it was like super, super high, you know, per square foot, unimaginably expensive. 
And I had some difficulty figuring out why that was so important. I under- Yes, I know that at the beginning, they got sort of criminally pushed out of a of, a, of their older flat and that, yeah, someone built these really expensive high rises and, you know, maybe she wanted to get back to that. I thought she wanted to do this for like her father or her mother, but you know, she ends up, she ends up killing her father. <laughs> so I, that confused me. I, I thought, well, then why does she, why is the flat important now? Did I misread something there? Well, I think I don't, it's a but, progression. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I don't think he missed anything. Uh, I, I think you're right that her getting kicked out of the of her home had this devastating effect, and, and there was some you know some indication that 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 also caused you know everybody to have to work more hours, and that you know her her home, home life was really turned upside down. She went from having this great childhood uh, to you know, a pretty awful one, and that this became her obsession. I know both of us just read that recently at Riley Sager novel, and this was reminding me of that, right, that there was this dream place that they wanted to stay. Uh, and then, yeah, I think she loses sight of why she's doing it because it becomes an obsession. Yeah, that was my take, too. I think it started, the motive started pure enough with her mom especially. I'm going to promise you I'm going to do this. And then her mom passes. She still has her father. But the telltale sign is when she's in the vehicle with her boyfriend that she's having an affair with, and she asks him for money. And he says, well, you know, wait on the flat. You, know, you can always buy a flat. Your father's health is more important. A very important line there uh, concerning a future scene we're going to see. And at that point, she kind of shows her ace in the hole, which is, but this is what I've been saving for for me. This is mm-hmm. my dream. This mm-hmm. is what I want. And I think the, the good motive turned into something that was purely um, selfish and uh, her own desire, her own dream. And that's where the family dynamics came into play. And I thought the movie did a fairly good job speaking into that. Yeah, I can see that. I, yeah. I mean, that, that, that does make sense. But when she, when she strangled her father, I mean, when she killed her father, I thought, so this is just, I mean, she, what I came, the conclusion I came to is that this is a psychopath. Um, her, the killings, she has no real facial expression during most of the killing. And these are very cruel. Some of the are, are very cruel killing of course it's random she doesn't know any of these people i for a long time i wasn't sure about motive i thought maybe because she wants this super cool apartment that she's robbing them that's what she's doing she's going in she's robbing them of course that's not the case she's actually just trying to make this apartment the cost go down by killing all these residents and making it the property price go down but um, but she's they're they're so vicious, and and just like strangers. Okay, so this is like a this is like a, a you know a, a Michael Myers or a Jason Voorhees level of random, emotionless, remorseless, brutal killing. Um, there's only the only time that I noticed that she had any visible anxiety on her face about killing was when she um, allowed her father to suffocate. And for, for reasons I don't understand, when she, when she shot the cop, remember the cop got accidentally shot one during the struggle that took place. Uh, someone else was there and shot the policeman in his face. She finishes him off, but 
it looks like in her face, like she's having some kind of maybe because he wasn't didn't live there. Maybe the and so that was there was no purpose in it. Maybe that's why she. So I I I, I lost sympathy with her. Um, whereas you know initially I thought this was going to be about um, some kind of justice for her family. So those are just some of my I guess my rambling thoughts on on the social element, the family element for her. Yeah, so the the scene that spoke to me more than any other provided commentary on something that the movie maybe didn't intend to provide commentary on, and that is what's for me a very important ethical issue, which is care for the elderly. Um, I think there can be good and honorable, important discussions, spiritual discussions about technology and advances in medicine that allow humans to live longer, much longer in some cases than ever before. Does it reach a point where technology is a problem and we're living longer than we even should, that we can have those discussions. But what's not open to discussion, for me anyway, is the refusal to administer medical care to someone who is elderly or someone who is sick in an attempt to improve other potential areas of life, whether it's economic areas, personal areas, dreams, desires, and there's been arguments made that the elderly should be willing to die so that they don't impinge on, you know, somebody else's quality of life, a family member, a friend, hospitals, straining uh, resources, and so forth. So and even right now in COVID, you know, arguments have been made that the elderly should be willing to get out there, do what they need to do, even if it means they contract the disease and die because we still have an economy uh, that we have to move forward and so forth. Once Chang allows her father to die, for me, it overshadowed whatever sympathies, you know, that I had built up for her due to her. Because at first I thought, you know, we just did Lake Bottom, which was a story uh, that I, I, I thought was largely driven by revenge. I thought this was going to be a story largely driven by guilt. Uh, but as it turns out, no, it's primarily a story driven by an obsessive desire to have something for herself. Yeah. Up on that. Well, yeah. I mean, you mentioned revenge. I, that thought came to me, too. I, I was because we weren't clear about our motivation throughout much of the movie. Um, you know, so like I said, well, maybe she's robbing them. I thought that, and then that wasn't it. And then I, but I thought revenge might be some element that somehow these people were tied because, you know, when they had the flashback to her being a child and there are these gangs and the corporations and the government were colluding to drive these people, you know, kind of eminent domain, drive them out of their homes so they could be torn down and developed. I thought maybe these, these people she's killing had some kind of connection to this had some kind of guilt and and so I did think for a while there that there was a revenge a revenge this was a revenge picture but you know it turns out these people are completely innocent and random um anyway yeah so but yes you're right there there are some bioethical questions in there um how she refuses to so her father has some kind of a lung serious lung condition he wakes up in the middle of the night he can't he can't breathe he's he's struggling to get breath and she goes in there she rushes in in the middle of the night she goes in there to give him his like his ventilator to give him some oxygen and she's thinking about it and then she decides not to and she sits there while he struggles to breathe and eventually turns blue and dies and um, anyway yeah yeah so so 
um, the, yeah, there are all kinds of bioethical questions. How do we how do we treat the elderly? How do we treat the terminally ill? How much treatment? You know, I mean, is you know, what is do you, is it the same thing if you kill them or let die? You know, I mean, so there are all kinds of ethical things that yes, that can bring up as well. Did either of you understand why the gentleman who she had? you know, gutted, and he was laying there, and she, after she had killed the police officer, and she goes over to him, and then she puts, um, she's going to shoot him, and then she ends up putting the gun in his hand, making it look like a suicide. Was the idea there to make it look as if somehow he was responsible for all of this because his fingerprints were on the gun, and it was like a murder-suicide but if that's the case, how do you explain his guts being all over the floor? And, and the other thing I don't understand is, does Hong Kong have any forensic experts there? I, you know, aren't they going to recognize that someone else was in that room? And you mean the so bloody? Loud? Yeah, you mean, yeah, you know that the whole room is basically one big pile of blood. And can't, are they going to be able to... There was so much noise. I know you have to suspend, you know, disbelief. The cops finally show up after screaming and gun, you know, and then there's gunshots, but nobody else comes to see what's happening there. So, but was that why she did that? Was to try to put the blame on the suicide guy? Or what was the point of that scene? Yeah, it was, right? I, I think it definitely was, but uh, it was ridiculous because she then walked through pools of blood and tracked the blood out into the hallway. So it would be very clear there was someone there after the death that had left. Uh, yeah, that that was pretty wild. Of course, you know, it's not very long after that. So it's still possible that she will be caught at the end of this movie, right? It's very short period of time before the uh, the ending scenes of the movie. But I noticed that too. That was one of the notes I wrote down. Why try to put the gun in his hand and force him to put it in his mouth and, and, and make it go off? Why try to make it look like he killed himself? Because throughout all the other kills, she seems to have no concern about DNA and all the evidence she's leaving all over the place. She's, you know, I don't even know if she was wearing gloves through, through a lot of it. She's, she's getting injured herself, so her blood's going to be all over these apartments. And I... I just got the impression that that she was sort of oblivious to the fact that she, you know, was going to be leaving signs of herself all over the place. But um, yeah, so I wondered that too. I thought, well, what's the, what's the point of it? Maybe it is to make it look like he was the perpetrator of the whole thing. But he didn't. She didn't do anything else with any of the other murders to try and point the finger at some other. I don't know. It. it I thought that was um, a bit confusing. Well, and it goes back to Danny's original question, which is, is the motive behind the murders just an absolute flipping out that something sparked when the price went up and she's not going to be able to afford it? And then all of the other problems that she had, and she just simply went crazy. And one of the great lucky benefits of this is that the the prices went down. But then if you go that route, you have to wrestle with the fact that it does seem like she's intentional. It's people in that particular building. As Scott mentioned, it seems as if she shows some remorse to the fact that she kills a police officer who doesn't live there, presumably. So it just seems like we have a lot of mixed ideas here, potentially. I, th I think you can tie them all together if you think of this uh, along the line of you know socioeconomic horror, which is Certainly there's this 
this is this movie's ten years old, but it's huge right now, right? Uh, with us and Parasite, and it's just everywhere. I've, I've been seems like every other book and half the movies I've watched recently have that element of class structure and stuff. I think it is a revenge film. Scott was talking about that earlier, but killing these people is getting revenge not on the people that drove her family out in the first place, but it's getting revenge on the people that benefited from that economic model, right? Where the wealthy could just take anything they wanted from the poor. And I think if, if when I think about this as in that line of socioeconomic horror films, I, I, I think all the justifications are there. And I also think that the film can still portray her as a monster, which I don't like her. Like, I don't, I don't think this is a sympathetic character, but she gets exactly what she wants. And you can make the case that the film thinks that anything that attacks the current power structure still has value, even if it's, if it's awful on its own merits. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point that I, I appreciate that, Danny, the idea that she is kind of getting revenge on people that that benefit from her, her and her family being evicted. That I think that helps me kind of a little bit, but I still think she's kind of a psychopath because how do you kill these people? Okay, I'm going to say it, especially the woman who's nine months pregnant. How do you How do you murder her without much expression on her face other than just the physical exertion of making it happen? That just seems so cold. I, I, I found that almost unbelievable. And then I'll bring up another point. When we see the flashbacks of her as a child and her friend, right, they, they, her, her, the, she's a little girl and there's this little boy that lives across the alley and they have this little tin cup kind of phone and they talk to each other. It's very cute. Um, they're, they're very good uh, friends. She's very sweet. She loves her family. And we have at least twice where she prays. We hear her prayers. And one of those prayers was, I thought, very uh, clearly a Christian prayer. I mean, she's talking about Jesus, and she's talking about the Lamb of God, and the blood of Jesus washing away my sins, and the Trinity. And Yeah, she it, mentions the Trinity. Yeah, it's an explicitly, and I thought eloquent for a child, um, Christian Christian prayer. So my that makes me think this is not a psychopath <laughs> because why would a psychopath pray Jesus wash me and you know you're the lamb of God wash me in the blood to make me cure pure I mean I didn't I don't think that was supposed to be ironic that seemed to me to be as a little child praying that way seemed innocent and pure and beautiful but then <laughs> as an adult she's just like this cold stone cold killer it, I don't know that that was kind of a strange thing hmm. Yeah, and I'll say that yeah, when that happened, I thought, oh, uh, Phil and Scott are going to have something to say about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and, and then I kind of pushed it to the side. Uh, my thoughts were, you know, the lesson here is don't kick a so sociopath out of their home. But, but, yeah, you're right. That does challenge that a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure how to work out. That. I, I'm guessing that, you know she's gone downhill right maybe she's not biologically a sociopath but life has just deadened her in some way well yeah i mean right don't you all just think that it's a matter of the they were very intentionally showing one thing after another that continued to heap up incredible stress and grief on her that was ultimately chipping away at her one dream the one thing she said she had saved her entire life to make uh this down payment and purchase the flat 
And finally enough things caught up to her that she just snaps. She looks over at her father's tool belt with these tools and uh, the gosh, those zip ties. <laughs> Wasn't that a I love horrible first death? Oh my gosh. And the whole movie seemed to be obsessed with the neck and the face region in terms of deaths. It's just so horrible. But did you notice, guys, that at the end, when she's, when she's on the phone, she says, yeah, there's uh, 11 dead bodies, 12 lives. Interesting. An, ind- an indication that she understands the fetus in the womb to be a life, which it is. Just interesting that they included that dialogue in the film at the end after all of this horrific stuff. Yeah, I didn't catch that. that. That's kind of cool. I even started to Google. Um, I didn't actually finish pursuing this, but because it, you know, we're, we're, I was trying to read the. These are sub. This was a subtitled movie, so so I was trying to do research while I was also watching the movie, so I didn't get all my research done. But when when the girl, little, when she as a little girl was praying that Christian prayer, I I tried to Google to see if the director or the writer might actually have been been a Christian. There are a lot of Christians in Hong Kong. It's a minority, but there are quite a few. And it just seemed to me like the writer and the, whoever created that that line, that sequence, was informed. A lot of times Hollywood movies where they have people pray or talk about their faith, it just, as a person of faith, I think it sounds phony. But this didn't. Okay, and so anyway, I was curious about, about that. Um, that element, but yeah, the, yeah, the, the 11, would you say 11 bodies, 12 deaths or 12 yeah, she people? says 11 dead bodies, 12 lives. Nice. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk I, about the humor. Go ahead, Danny. Follow I was up. just saying, I hate that I did not notice that. That really bothers me. I watched this film twice and missed that line. <laughs> yeah. It's when she's on the phone at the very end and she's talking about, oh, it's going to be 3.9 million, you know, 11 dead bodies, 12 lives. Hmm. Interesting. Let's talk about the humor. Did the humor work? Um, was it out of place, especially in the scene where there's all the drugs happening and there's that what seemed to be so long of a story about the sexual encounter that him and his friend had? We all knew where that was going as soon as he started the story, but it took him like 15 minutes to tell it, which was funny. Uh, then we have lines such as, um, when you finish, I want to go home. And she's in the process of just stabbing the poor guy to death. And then the one guy, again, we've talked about him a few times with his intestines hanging out of his body, falling on the floor. He's, 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 his whole innards are just completely out. And it appears that he's more concerned about two of his fingers that have been cut off. I thought that was, I laughed more at that, I think, than I did anything. But what do you think about the humor of the film, Scott? Did it, did it make you laugh at all? Well, that scene you were just talking about, I thought he was like trying his joint, right? I mean, they'd been smoking. I thought that his guts are hanging out. He's bleeding out. And he, I think he tried to smoke his joint and he said, oh, it's out. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened after. Oh, so okay. when, when he, she first okay. gutted him or whatever and cut off his fingers, he keeps staring at his hands like, oh my goodness, I don't have fingers anymore. And his large intestine is just hanging out of his body. Right, uh, it's right. just so funny. You know, whether that was additional for humor, I don't know, but it made me laugh. Well, there, I did have a couple of laughs, but I didn't have, as, I didn't have that many. Um, I, I, I thought, eh, this doesn't, you know, I, I knew there were some things that were, that were supposed to be, be funny and supposed to be over the top, but just to me seemed tasteless. And I, it just, it's a personal preference thing. Okay. 
Because I actually, I mentioned this before, I actually kind of like Quentin Tarantino movies. I, I like uh, Reservoir Dogs, I like Kill Bill, I like um, Pulp Fiction. And those movies have a lot of brutal violence, and they have humor. I just think that does it. They, those movies do it successfully, and 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 maybe it's a cult, tran, you know, lost in translation. But some of the scenes that I think were intended to be kind of funny left me a little bit um, un unimpressed. There were a moment, a couple of moments where I I chuckled or, or got the humor, but there were others that I just you know didn't didn't do it for me. What about you, Danny? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm about the same, except I did find you know the actual over the top gore scenes to be funny, um, but that's that is definitely a personal thing. But you know any the other moment when I say it's satirical, I'm certainly not meaning that it's funny. You know, I'm talking about the element of satire that you hold some kind of you know social institution up for ridicule. It's that kind of satire. Uh, but yeah, I thought the I thought the the gore was meant to be at least somewhat cartoonish uh, or again I, I tend to take over the top gore as, as I enjoy it I'm amused by the effort they put into it and uh, I thought the guy sitting there with his guts out for just way too and I kept waiting for him to be dead and he kept being alive every time the camera you know found him again in another room he dragged himself half across the apartment with his guts hanging out I thought it was funny um, but it's hard to contrast that with that very not funny uh killing of the pregnant woman which was you know brutal and it was you know the kind of fetish like like it was it, it was so different uh, and and that may be the disconnect that you were talking about at the beginning phil it's hard you know the the the, the film does seem like its parts are somewhat disconnected yeah yeah that, yeah that, the satires uh, but it's clear that they tried to put just some straight ahead humor in there like some of those scenes again the the line when he's just chopping the she's chopping him up and she says uh when you finish i want to go home just like you know whenever you're done here with whatever you're doing just let me go i, I want to go home <laughs> so you know did they do that to try to just lighten what was happening i don't think it worked if that's what they were going for and i found it to be somewhat out of place you know i mean if you're going that hardcore as you say the gore itself is so over the top i mean just stick with it just stick to your guns and let it happen so so crazy and what about the flashbacks did you find that to be scott did you find the flashback like she just she's in the middle of this hardcore violent over-the-top murder sequence and then there's a flashback to her gently taking care of her mom did you find that to be jarring in the sense that it it didn't allow you to continue the shock and awe of what was happening, or were you happy for the respite to go to a flashback? How did you process that? Probably a little bit of both. I mean, it it just for, for reasons I can't quite put into words yet. I just didn't think it, it worked. You know, it's just like all right, I understand that you're going back, but it it didn't feel like a respite to me, and it didn't feel I, I just felt nothing, <laughs> and it just didn't affect me in the way that that you know you hope a movie like this this might um yeah yeah i i i just actually after the first you could i just didn't care uh, there there really wasn't anybody that i i you know i didn't care about her she she didn't really elicit sympathy from me well, that's where I, the pregnant woman was important in the mm -hmm. film because I think we can have sympathy in that situation, well, yeah, yeah. but we don't have 
we don't have any relationship with any of the victims. They're as foreign and new to us as they are perhaps to her. So it's hard to find sympathy there as we're just, apart from just the incredibly violent way that they're being killed. Did the flashbacks take you out of the violence at all, Danny? How did that work for you? I was interested because at least at first, you know, I felt like they were going to be used to justify her violence. Uh, I don't think in the end they are a justification. They're more an explanation. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think I was interested. I was interested the whole time. So the flashbacks, I wanted to see more of her story. So they did not take, that is not a part that I felt disconnected on. Uh, I, again, I feel like the, the, there was a tonal disconnect between the different parts, but uh, I thought the flashbacks worked um but I do not I, going to what Scott said really quickly. Anyone who knows me or has had my film class or any of my friends that talk film, I usually hate films where there's no character that I can sympathize with. When the protagonist is not someone who I can at least find some kind of joint humanity with. Uh, so this is an oddity for me that I enjoy this film, even though the protagonist is there is no way to sympathize with her and and to agree with the film that she got, that she got her happy ending and you know so yes i think the pregnant woman would be the exception all right we we don't know very much about any of the victims they're kind of irrelevant they're kind of cardboard people and but she's pregnant that tells me a lot okay right just that she's visibly large okay she's she's in she's this is a late term pregnancy and you know, and she doesn't die quickly. None of them die quickly. She she falls on her stomach and then has a start to have a miscarriage, and and it lingers. It stays on that, and 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 then there's this very creative means of you know putting the zip tie around her throat and the and the plastic bag over her face, and then adding a vacuum cleaner to the to the whole contraption to suck out the air. So, I mean, why not just slit her throat? Why do it that? Why do such a tortured way to kill a pregnant woman? But all the other victims, as far as I can remember, were pretty despicable people too. What we do know about, it seems like everybody in this movie was having an affair. Everybody was talking to their, their paramour over the phone and they were all having these little liaison it seemed like a lot of these people were and of course there's the teens in that apartment that are doing drugs and trying to do a foursome and none of them were all that particularly not that they deserve to be murdered but they, they all kind of seem gross well husbands are not well liked in this movie uh they're always never coming home you know they're, they don't come home they don't do well they're everybody's having an affair um i don't know what the divorce rate is in hong kong but if it's anything that this movie makes it look like it's going to be really really high uh, i don't know why that was added what that provided for the film except just another angle for it to be able to build off of yeah. It's even it's even in the dialogue, right? There's there's a yeah. line like uh, in the elevator. basically all all the all husbands have affairs as long as he's treating it like it's takeout food or something like that. You know, it's as long as it's you know just disposable, it's not a problem that he's going out having an affair. And that elevator thing you said, Philip, right? What was that? Right? Yeah, it just it did. What did it serve? Like, what? Why was it in there? Except to some, you know, here's another guy who doesn't care. He's not well, home. Well, no, the one I'm think maybe same one, but. So the killer is in an elevator. She she's in an elevator, and there's right. some woman in the elevator, right. talking on her cell phone, 
talking about um, clearly about having some kind of extramarital liaison in an elevator with strangers. That just seemed. I mean, that's what it, I'm saying because she's just saying, "Well, my husband doesn't come home till super late anyway. He doesn't care." You know? uh, yeah, I that mean, was it, the dialogue she was having. But why? Why? Why was that? Yeah. What was that trying to say? Yeah. I mean, maybe it was funny. Okay, it was a little. I thought it was a little ridiculous because who in an elevator would be having that kind of conversation? So those five people that are within, right. you know, sixty inches of you can all hear what you're saying. Anyway, I yeah. And it may have even been. You know, meant to be funny. Yeah, and and we're having a cultural, you know, disconnect there. Could be, yeah. You know, back to the sociopath that she's just crazy, and that's the way it is. The fact that she kills the people the way she kills them in these long, extended, gruesome, excruciatingly painful ways. If she was just simply concerned about lowering the price, why do that? Why not just kill them? Why not just walk in and shoot the security guy in the head? Because it wouldn't make his, for as cool of a movie with his graphic death scenes. Or is there? And this goes back to then what Danny was saying earlier, which is, or maybe it was Scott, that if the violence speaks well to the point of the movie, if it's there for a reason, then great. If it's not, then do we really want to be watching this? So I think we still, I don't think we can necessarily land for sure as to whether or not this was cold, calculated, she was in her right mind, she knew what she was doing, or whether she was just absolutely crazy and something flipped inside of her when those prices went up and she went crazy and just thought, I'm going to torture as many people as I can in this place that I can't, back to the revenge you know, element. Both of those ideas are there, it seems. Agreed. All right, anything else um, that you guys have that you want to talk about? Uh, I'm looking at my notes. I thought, you know, as soon as she taught, as soon as she said to the mom, um, this is, I think she said it's my fault. Like, I, uh, I'm, I, I messed this up. I wasn't able to do what I told you I was going to do. I thought we were going to have this really awesome, deep, spiritual, theological discussion about the impact of guilt and uh, the, the, psych, uh, the psychology of that, the physical impact of that, the way it can drive our motives and everything else. But then it just all comes undone when it turns into an, more of just an obsessive thing, which is in and of itself, of course, a spiritual reality. But I, did you feel that way, Scott? It felt like there was going to be a, a, a spiritual element of this film. I thought for sure I knew where it was going to go, and then it kind of it ran into a wall right in the middle of the movie. I, I just remembered something. I didn't write in my notes that I would say would lend to a, more sympath- a little bit of a sympathy for the character that I just remembered, and that is when they had some kind of a ceremony for I think it was her mother's funeral, right? I mean, there, it was some sort of a shamanistic kind of um, ceremony, and they um, uh, at at the end of it, it looked like they had this big kind of furnace or some kind of a fire, and they had like a paper. What appeared to me, if I understood what was going on, a paper rendition of a of a building like an apartment building and they were pushing it into the fire and and the our protagonist began to scream take it mom take it and but she seemed sincere she seemed emotional she seemed affected by the loss of her mother 
she seemed like a human being in that moment. And I'd kind of forgotten about that scene. It confuses me though, still because of the earlier Christian prayer would, you know, then why the, the shamanistic kind of, why not a Christian funeral? I, I mean, I was, I'm a little confused by that still, but that is an example of a moment where I, I felt like her, her humanity was visible. And it had to do with her mother's dying and the promise that she'd made to her mother of an apartment and maybe in the afterlife she she can she's giving this to her. Yeah, you know, yeah, the scene certainly visually looks that way, but then the things they were saying had imagery of Christian ideas. So hmm. thrust thrust herself out of hell, rise hmm. up to heaven, um, things like this, which obviously have um, Christian thoughts behind them. So again, it seems like a kind of a mixture of things there going on. And maybe a missed opportunity to have just kept it with the Christian theme because, you know, the her home in heaven and, you know, that she could have her mansion and all of that. So, the, yeah. But, w- but we have with these Asian films we've watched uh, have gotten that mixture of Christianity and shamanistic uh, belief. So it, it may just be a, a common thing that you know both those things you know interact with each other in their lives yeah I, we saw the same thing in the priests if you remember yeah yeah i think i think that danny that could well be that it's just kind of in, in some cultures well this is true in the west too that sometimes cultures when when christianity is a minority religion or a new religion there that um, it might blend a little bit with some folk beliefs in some ways that sort of strictly speaking christian orthodoxy might not might not approve of so it yeah it could be kind of a well we're we're christians and we use we we pray christian prayers and have generally christian beliefs but then when it comes to things like funerals and maybe weddings and cultural celebrations we kind of use pagan or you know the shamanistic practices too so it could be that that was what was going on yeah anything else danny anything else you want to add no i don't have anything else in my notes and i think we covered everything pretty well yeah. Scott, what about you? No, no, I, I don't have anything else in my notes. I, um, I I feel like I've been maybe a little down on the movie. It wasn't a, it was all right. I mean, for for a horror movie, I I do think it was very expertly shot. I do think that the, you know, the 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 images of these uh, apartments that looked all the same and and some of the 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 shots and even some of the kills. You know, even though I wasn't thrilled, maybe about them in one way i could definitely see the camera work you know the different angles that there was a lot of skill in the making of this movie which which you know that's that's something i can appreciate too didn't that make you oh just cringe when that knife went through her achilles hill yeah. oh gosh that was brutal how painful must that have been All right Oh yeah, we didn't talk. That's one thing we didn't talk about. She takes a uh, a Bruce Willis and Die Hard level of uh, violence to her body in this, uh, and and it's almost none of it played for last, right? She just gets brutalized in this film, and uh, uh, she she is kind of the you know Jason or Myers model in that she just keeps going. Um, she really is a slasher killer in a lot of ways. Agree. Yeah, I mean yeah. she had a couple of. You know, adult mills have the upper hand a couple of times, and she was able to turn it around on them and get the advantage over them. So, yeah. 
Yeah, there was more than once. Uh, like, so after she kills the pregnant woman, her husband stumbles in. I mean, this scene just seemed to never stop because she, she breaks in. She doesn't know who's in these. I don't think she knows who's in these apartments when she breaks in. And there's the maid. So she immediately stabs her in the back of the head and pops her eyeball out, kills her. Then she sees the pregnant woman and without hesitation slaughters her in this very strange way. And then the husband comes in and catches her and she starts attacking him. And he he kind of he kind of I mean, there was a moment where he was strangling her. Um, I, I'll just add one little detail that I don't know what context to put this in, but I wrote it down. Um, there is a lot of strangling in this movie. And I think it's interesting or in some way interesting that her father died by suffocating and that that was i don't know um, i don't know if that meant anything but that is something that i made note of yeah i mentioned a moment ago it seems like there's a lot of issues with the throat neck and head mm-hmm. in this movie and i don't know i don't know why yeah. other than it's hard to watch and it's hard to watch someone gasp for breath mm-hmm. as he's grasping at his daughter pass away well and there are i mean <laughs> there are better ways to kill somebody okay if, if you're you know if you want to avoid suffering uh, being strangled or allowing someone to suffocate or causing someone to suffocate is uh, as far as i understand particularly cruel it's not particularly fast it's painful it's scary it's terrifying you know there are there are more there are cleaner i mean i guess when it's your father dying there you don't you know you can't stab him because then police would notice that um but you know strangling or suffocating to death seems to me to be one of the worst ways to go you know what i was thinking during that scene if she went into the room initially with the idea she's going to put the oxygen mask on his face and resuscitate him and then once she gets into the room it clicks with her you know what if I let him pass right now, I'll be able to get the insurance money. I'll be able to get my dream home and everything else. As soon as that idea hits and she's deciding she's going to go that way, that's when you leave the room. You don't sit there on the bed and watch your father look at you knowing that you're killing him. Mm. Uh, You leave the room, and she didn't. Interesting, huh? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, she faced away from him. She did. (laughs) <laughs> I, I thought she yeah. was struggling, I, but because she had the thing, I thought she was like, I can't decide. I've got it in my hand. Should I? Should I do it? Should I not do it? And I, I kept thinking maybe at the last second she would do it, but then you know, give it to him. But then she didn't. So. Yeah, but turning away from him. I mean, she's in the room with him for goodness sakes. <laughs> and if you're going to turn away, just get up and walk. So I, I don't have to reach out for you, you know. I was joking for the record there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like okay. Yeah. Uh, what else? Let's see. Oh, let me just mention this. Collecting blood in the bong <laughs> that is in the guy's neck. I mean, I did I did have to laugh at that one, Danny. I mean, yeah. how can you not see that as it just totally ingenious? You know? and, and actually, it was one of two films I watched the same day that had a that exact same kill. Really? What was the other one? Uh, it, it was, uh, I think we summoned the darkness, hmm. uh, a bong in the neck, huh? Well, I, well, I think that one was a, uh, it was a tube. It was not a bong, but it was the exact same. You know, it was there in the neck and gathering blood. So, uh, yeah, 
it was i think that is awesome it is a brutal like you can i was sitting there thinking now okay would that have a suction would it actually be gathering blood or would it be is there a capillary action (laughs) yeah i thought that was a great kill yeah that's the way i took it like it hit a carotid or something and the blood is just shooting out of there into the bong you know not really sucking it out just (laughs) coming out of his neck yeah that that gave me an at the moment i watched it that was an eye roll moment for me but now i i look back it was that that's kind of funny you know sticking the butt and then it it just sort of it fills up with blood i get i get that jeez Hmm. i mean those guys were really really losers you know i mean if if anything you're kind of happy to watch this all unfold i mean they give like the girl a hit while she's asleep and sick did they just do that just for kicks or was that to like awake revive her so they could you know have her their way with her uh, who knows I, well i took it that kind of a strange morality right that they she was passed out she was half naked and they had hoped to have some kind of orgy but she was passed out and that that precludes it so there's almost like this um like this chivalry you know hey let's have let's have a foursome Oh, she's unconscious and can't consent. So we're going to be gentlemen and not just do this to her. So she was she was unconscious, and they didn't want to. It seemed displeasing or unpleasant to them to, to just rape her. So they they gave her. Yeah, I thought they gave her a hit of whatever it was they they were doing to try to wake her up so they could then have sex with her. But then she got she threw up on them. <laughs> and of course that line of morality is very low because they had they had already totally felt her up and everything else while she was unconscious <laughs> yeah yeah, it, yeah it's the bar we, were, we weren't willing to go that far right so <laughs> the bar was low but it, it, it's it seemed kind of yeah so i can kind of see the humor in that as perverted and weird as that is all right well this is an interesting discussion, to be sure. It almost feels like we don't really know what to think of this movie, uh, but it's so interesting in so many ways. Dream Home, 2010. Let me ask you this, guys, as we close. Is this a movie, If even for a horror fan, would you recommend the film, Danny, for someone to watch? I absolutely would. So I, I definitely like it more than you guys do. And I, and I absolutely think if you categorize it with these other horror films that are about uh, class and socioeconomic structures uh, that it works and is enjoyable and I think I will add it to a possible you know course coming that I'm working on right now like I think it fits into that model just very well and I did enjoy it I, I mean I despite all the problems we've talked about I I've already recommended it to people I, I really really do like it I like it a lot more than you guys do I believe which is always good. I'd rather us not all agree on things. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I don't think we always have to agree. We, we do have somewhat different tastes and, and in terms of what we like and don't like about horror movies, and that's, that's awesome. We do frequently on this podcast agree, and, and that's also cool. But would I recommend it? Um, if it's a horror fan, I, I don't know. I think I would give it a very tepid a lukewarm recommendation um you know if you want to be a completist and say i've seen every slasher movie there is okay you got to know about this one but um I, I i didn't hate it but i didn't find it necessarily entertaining enough to that i would go out of my way to recommend it so that's where i would maybe be different than danny 
That's my favorite response ever. I, but, but I recommend it. If your goal is to watch every movie that's ever been made, yes. <laughs> you need to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's great. That's where I'm at. Oh, man. All right. This is Philip Scott and Danny at The Blackest Eyes. We're going to be back next week with another slasher movie. This is season two where we're talking about slasher films. So we'll be back with you next week. As we're recording this, it is coming up on Halloween. By the time you listen to this, Halloween will have already passed. But we're excited that the haunting season is very much on top of us. It's a good time to watch horror movies. Hope you're enjoying whatever you're watching out there. Let us know what that is. And, you know, if there's a film that you would like for us to watch and to review and talk about on the Blackest Eyes podcast, uh, we'd be happy to do that. So let us know. Send us a message. Thanks for listening. Stay scared out there. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.